Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to another edition of the Total Sports Live podcast hosted by yours truly, well, not yours truly, hosted by me and Angelo Montoni. We got a great show for everyone tonight, but before we get underway, you already know you can check us out here on Block Talk Radio if you missed it, blogtalkradio.com backslash Total Sports Live, or you can check out on your smartphone, the TuneIn Radio app, search Total Sports Live, or if you got an iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, iPad Mini, uh, if you got iTunes on your computer, just go to the podcast section or the podcast app, search Total Sports Live, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate anybody that does subscribe to us. You know, leave us a review as we're trying to make this podcast better for your listening ears and pleasure. But like I said, it's a great show for everyone. Eagles didn't play today, but that's all right. They played Thursday. There's a lot to talk about because there's a lot of things happening in the NFL that kind of affects the Eagles. We're going to look at Thursday's game. We're going to look at what kind of happened in the NFL. And then hopefully we'll talk and mix in some Sixers. But you already know who's joining me on the show, as always, Angela, joining us to talk some football. It was it felt good, Angela, first, first and foremost. How are you doing? To actually not have to worry about an Eagles game and be on your edge of the seat. You kind of get the just relax a little bit and just take the landscape of the NFL? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it is good because the Eagles won. It was a great game on Thursday, uh, obviously a little bit lopsided in the officiating. Um, but to say that I wasn't on the edge of my seat today is kind of full. So I'm right on the edge of my seat, right? Well, I'm oh, yeah. not on the edge of my seat yeah. anymore. I <laughs> kind of slipped off of it. I'm sitting on the floor right now with my head between my legs like, oh, damn, because I did the Broncos and suicide. This week, it's not completely over, but it's it's getting to be that point. Damn you, Brandon. Yeah. But the Eagles won. Yeah. Uh, I attended a benefit last night that was a really good cause. I won a Starbucks basket that had a Ford Galagos card in it. So, you know, it's not all bad at the moment, but could be better. But the Eagles won. So yeah. That's what I'm focusing on right now. Yeah, I totally. My gambling yeah, totally woes aside. Yeah, I totally forgot you were into suicide. In the uh, in the suicide pool, so I totally just I totally skipped my mind where I said you know you're sitting on the edge of your seat. I forgot you are sitting on the edge of your seat, uh, which is so funny because which is so funny because before the show, like you said, you you picked the Jets last week and the Jets won, and that's the type of game you think you'd be sitting on the edge of your seat, like oh damn, like I don't know if the Jets gonna pull this one out, and then you think all right, I got the easy victory. We we talked about it last week. We were like all right, there's no way the Giants yeah. are in this game. We're 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 no we're talking like they might go like zero and ten, zero and eleven, and then the Broncos somehow some way just I don't know if they are taking the Giants too lightly. I don't know. It's, well, two missed field goals doesn't help. Yeah, and that's I think that's his fifth. He's missed now. McManus has missed five field goals at home. I think that's what they said on the telegraph. That's not good, and that's not just a fantasy no, number. That's either. awful. Stay away from Brandon McManus. Stay away from him. 
answer. Especially, yeah, cause especially like in certain leagues, you get minus one for missing a field goal. So. Yeah, <laughs> if you in a close game, <laughs> he's he's definitely uh, not helping not helping your cause. But uh, yeah, well, nope. Brandon McManus has not been the MVP tonight, and hopefully the Broncos can come back. But I wouldn't know. I stopped watching the game. I decided to turn on 2K. I was like, eh, this game's, you know, whatever happens, happens. I got time for that. I got to see how it ends. I know. I got to punish there, myself. There, 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 there's money on the line here. But there's, you can be happy. You mentioned it. The Eagles won on Thursday night, 28-23. to It wasn't pretty. It was a tough, physical, hard-fought game. But the Eagles, once again, and they prevailed. They're now 5-1. and one. Pretty much got the best record in the NFC. <laughs> They're 2-0 and in the NFC East. This is uncharted and unprecedented territory with this team. And I would think I was saying this to Matt last week. This Eagles team, unlike last year, has a different feel to it. Like, they know they're good, but they feel like they haven't reached their potential yet, and they're working hard each week to get to that potential. I think that there are a few things. I think that the the veteran talent that they went out and signed uh, in the offseason, they knew what pieces that they needed. It didn't really feel like the um, trying to play fantasy football in the front office that – it felt like they mm-hmm. did that year of the uh, that year of the dream team that ended up being a nightmare. So I don't think that I think who they I think Alshon has looked really nice. I think Tory Smith has had his moments in there. So you know they actually like went assessing needs, but weren't trying to play like patchwork to the point where there would be no chemistry. Um, right. I've been really, I've been really skeptical about Wentz the entire time he's been there. You know, there's hours of tape that you can replay that dictate that you know is indicative of that, and I'm okay with admitting that. But I also, you know, he's starting to make like a real believer in me that I was wrong that maybe he wasn't. I was wrong, and I said that maybe he wasn't the best quarterback in that draft because he looks like he has like such an incredibly high ceiling right now. So, like, any big girl, I can admit when I look like I'm wrong, and right now I kind of do. So I'm really pleased that, like, his happy feet in the pocket have kind of subdued, and all of the mental mistakes he was making, like, they're either, they're not, I'm not saying they're non-existent, but it's, like, obvious that he's making, like, a clear, conscious effort to uh, fix them, and that's what's made him a better quarterback through the first, you know, six games. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it once, you know, this season, you know, he's been outstanding. I think his completion percentage is about 62%. Um, he, has, he has 13 touchdowns and only three interceptions. And like you mentioned, his mental mistakes, he's not making those mental mistakes because this time last year, these six games, he was making mistakes like in that Giants game last year, even in the Vikings game last year, where he was just making throws that, you know, you're just like, you're just like, dude, what are you looking at? I'm like, where do you see it on the field that you're throwing these blatant interceptions? You know what I'm saying? It's not like he'd be making interceptions where it's like double coverage, whatever, whatever. He was making throws with it where interceptions that you're just like, you didn't see the corner flashing or the safety flashing across the middle or the linebacker flashing across the middle. And like you said, that's one thing that's not happening this year. And I'd have to think it's because the defense actually has to respect the wide receiving core this time around. They have to respect it. Because these guys can actually get open. These guys can actually get a free release off the line of scrimmage where corners can not have to where corners have to give them 
you know, a certain amount of yards to get off the line of scrimmage because you can't jam these guys to say if you jam and miss. That's a free play for Alshon, Torrey, or even the man of the hour or the man of the year, Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's good. I mean, isn't it amazing to see what Nelson can do when he's rotated the slot receiver? He's a completely different player. And that might have been his true spot all along, which is scary to think about. It might have been his true position all along, but when you have, you know, where the Eagles were in the years before when Jeremy Macklin goes to Kansas City and free agency, you're left, you know, with Jordan Matthews and him trying to be one and two. These guys are put in positions where they're not comfortable or best to see. And like you said, it's so amazing to see his development progression and he's starting to figure out and find his way in the NFL. And like you said, if you can get, I think I think if you get, if you keep on getting the type of production you're getting him out of your slot, I mean I think he's worth keeping around for another couple of years. Yeah, I mean why wouldn't you try to see what you can get out of him if he's gonna look like if that's his true like you said like if that's his true position that's where he's most valuable. I mean I'm trying to repeat yourself back to you, but that's exactly what I'm thinking. I mean, I, again, have been really critical of him because I'm just one of those people where I kind of wanted all of Chip Kelly's people out of town and mm-hmm. had a fresh start, but he's actually showing that he's worth something in this uh, in this rotation of wide receivers, and he's still really young. Yep. And I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's Alshon and Torrey Smith being here that make him better. Like mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, presence of – guys that have played in the league for a few years can make, like, really young players, uh, especially really young players that are on teams that haven't really won a lot since they've been there, can kind of help them. So maybe that's, like, the situation that's going on. Maybe he's benefiting from the experience of the free agents that were brought in. But whatever it is that's going on, it's working because we hear his name attached to a lot more good plays now. And I don't, as far as bad plays, when it was like whenever we would hear his name for the past couple of years, it was like, oh, what the hell? And now, like, you kind of want to hear his name because he's he's doing something productive every time he's throwing the ball. Man, every every time Nelson Aguilar catches the ball, he usually goes for a touchdown. <laughs> it's been like one of those years where he just everything he catches. You can just see that he's exuding confidence on the field. I think that's something we didn't see last year. Last year it was kind of like, oh, my God, I dropped the ball. Like, oh, like almost like him down to himself. Now we're seeing a confident player. And me and you know that in the NFL these days, having a viable having a viable weapon in the slot is so helpful to your wide receiving core because that guy can help make or break a game. He can, you know, do damage against, you know, slower slot corners or even or even linebackers. And that's what Aguilar did on Thursday night. He was matched up against a, a linebacker. He puts one move on Shaq Thompson, one sets him in stride, boom, touchdown. Aguilar now has four touchdowns on the year and 321 yards on 20 receptions. This is a career high for him, by the way, career high in four touchdowns already. And I think he's probably going to at least get two or three more this year, give or take. I think he'll get two or three more. Last season, he had 36 receptions, 365 yards. So pretty much is he's on pace to have a career year, which is if Nelson Aguilar is having a career year, along with our guy Zach Ertz is having a career year, and Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey still haven't had their breakout game yet or games, 
this offense is looking scary. I mean, I think he'll definitely get more than uh, two more. He's Ooh, so he's yeah, taking... no. The... I'm gonna say he gets four more. Okay. He's still ten games like left that. in the hey, season. If we get, or I'm if, sorry, if nine we games get eight, left in the if season. We get eight, if we get eight touchdowns on Nelson Aguilar this year, I mean, give sign that offseason sign that man to an extension. I'm serious. Shoot. And who realistically saw that coming? Not me. I'll be the first to admit it. Not me. Like you, like me, like you, you and me. We were both like ready to just get this dude out of here. Give up <laughs> on him, write him off. Yeah. Yeah. Buy him a one-way ticket out of town. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He sure was. I mean, me and you. Remember, we were talking the preseason. And we're like, we're tired of hearing about the preseason. And you know what he's doing in what he's doing in practice and everything. Like it's good, but we, we but, but we need to see the production on the field. And now we're seeing a production, and it is so great to see. It is. It's it's very very encouraging because you know you expect this kind of you know you expect it, you expect certain production out of your your veteran players, but to see like one of your younger guys, especially a younger guy that um, has underperformed compared to what he's putting up right now, it, uh-huh. it's you know you don't want to see anyone's career like really fizzle out and go down in flames when they were brought here with such promise. So. He's doing well this season. Hopefully he keeps it up. One definitely hopes they continue yeah, he continues to do that and for your daily reminder for people out there. Um Nelson Aguilar has more catches and probably more catches, more touchdowns, uh probably more receiving yards than Des Bryant. No, he has one less than Des Bryant. One less reception than Des Bryant because Des is twenty one. But he has more receiving yards and touchdowns than Des Bryant. I'm pretty sure he's doing better than Terrell Pryor right now. And I damn sure know he's doing better than Amari Cooper. I'm just saying. Just putting it out there. Yeah. Make sure you pick up Nelson Aguilar, your fan of Nelson Aguilar. Pick him up on your fantasy football team too. He's a he's a really good option. I gave a hint to that. Pick up Nelson. Great option. Yeah, if he's not already taken, I would assume someone's already got him in your league by now, like you or in general. <laughs> right. <laughs> People have been snatching up the players off the waiver wire uh, with no with no problem. But talk about fantasy in a few minutes. Um, also from this game, we already mentioned him, uh, and Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz with two touchdowns. He only had two catches on the night, but those two catches were two touchdowns. Now he has uh, – for a touchdown, which is a which is tied for a career high for him, and he has 34 receptions for 405 yards. We're not even half to the halfway point of the season. We're almost there. Two more games left, and Zach Ertz, he's getting close to 500, which means Zach for a thousand could possibly happen. I think he's one of the leading tight ends in receiving yards this year, if I'm not mistaken. Zach is having a Pro Bowl year himself. Oh, it is about damn time. I have been waiting <laughs> and waiting and waiting for Zach to have his finally breakout year. I've been calling it every single year, and every single year it hasn't happened. And this year I just kind of didn't really expect much out of him. Um, to be completely honest with you, the only reason I drafted him in fantasy football is because I named my team after him. And... I am just like, 
I am so happy to hear his name as many times as I do. He seems to have a really great rapport with Carson Wentz, and it's just he is finally, finally playing like the player you thought he could be when he when he was drafted. And that's not really saying he was any slouch before, but, you know, like he really is putting up like elite tight end numbers. So it's great because he's a great guy and he's good for the team. So to see him like finally reach his potential, like is, is good to see for him because, you know, he's just like a player that you cheer for and it also benefits the team that he's playing as well as he is. Oh, no, most definitely. And like you said, he's starting to put up those elite tight end numbers. And now people are like saying, well, you're talking elite tight ends. you got to say Gronk. No, we're not putting him in Gronk territory. But there's no reason why you can't claim him as the number two best wide receiver, the best tight end, excuse me, in the NFL, you know, with Travis Kelsey. I think those two are an optimum top for number two in the, in, in the NFL when you come to the tight end. I, I believe that. I truly believe that. Yeah, I, I don't see any reason why they the, those two aren't comparable and or interchangeable at that number two spot at tight end. Yeah, because obviously we know Gronk is one, and, you know, them two could be at two. And then you got Jimmy Graham, who, you know, ever since he got traded to Seattle, he's kind of been a no-show, but that's a whole different podcast for a whole nother day. He doesn't have a good relationship with Russell Wilson, and they have not had a good rapport since the day he came over. And that's just not nope. going to happen, I think. Um, nah. As far as, you know, Kelsey and the Chiefs go, I think the Chiefs have a better running game uh, in the form of yeah. Kareem Hunt than we have in LeGarrette Blunt. So it, it helps uh, open up those receivers a little bit more, which, you know, your tight end being the extra receiver. Sometimes they go unnoticed uh, with coverage with the corners and the free safety and stuff. So, obviously, a uh, offense that has a better running game is going to benefit the tight end more. So, I think the fact that Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey are being put in the same conversations for, like, the number two tight end in the league when, being realistic, the Chiefs running game is, uh, you know, a few times better than ours. So, that's something about, you know, Zach's ability. And his oh yeah! Oh no, definitely. Like you already said, uh, we we expected this type of production from Ertz years ago. He was drafted in the second round for a reason. It's like he was drafted as that new age tight end that wasn't a blocker, that was a receiver that can get open, that could be a mismatch problem. He's doing that, and and he's playing well. So I think again, like I mentioned earlier. If you have Nelson Aguilar and Zach Erden dominating defenses and they're drawing the coverage, then that's just going to open up things up for Torrey Smith and, and Alshon Jeffrey later in the season, which is so scary to think about. Because like I mentioned, Alshon hasn't had that breakout game yet, but it's going to happen eventually. He's going to get it. Oh, it's totally going to happen. And one, and one thing I like about these guys because, again, Alshon and Tory could be complaining that, oh, we're not getting the catches and, you know, blah, 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 because these guys have been number ones on other teams before. They've been top options. Obviously, the ball's not really coming their way, but they could be prima donna saying, like, oh, I'm not getting the ball. Hence, Martavis Bryant, who people don't know, he's looking to be he's looking to get out of Pittsburgh, apparently. According to Ian Rappaport, he's looking, uh, he's looking for a trade out of Pittsburgh because of his role being diminished. But those guys like Alshon and Torrey, they could be upset and frustrated, but they're not 
it it's it's actually calming to know that that these guys, you know, you don't hear them complain about we're not getting catches because at the end of the day it's about team. And again, like I said, if I, if if Matt Collins is getting some catches here and Ertz is getting some catches and Aguilar getting catches. Tory Smith and 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 Alshon Jeffrey are going to have to pick it a litter against opposing secondaries in the second half of the season when the games really count and mean the most. Well, I mean, theoretically, why would they complain? The team is five and one. I mean, they're mm-hmm. still getting their their highlight worthy plays. So, mm-hmm. and plus, you know, they they got to probably you know at least for Tory Smith. Um, because I know he's like kind of been like number one where he was, but he's spent also years being like the number two guy, and I think he's got to be excited that he's on like this young of a team that has such a high ceiling. Right. You know, Alshon's kind of been plagued by injury uh, for a decent mm-hmm. chunk of his career, and you know, with the whole suspension too, I think he pretty much lost all last season. So, I mean, I think I think that I what I observe as like just someone who watches them as like a fan and trying to observe the team objectively, I don't know. It, it kind of almost looks like new life has been breathed into them in this like fresh yes. and young team that they have been brought on to help grow and cultivate. And I I just think they're happy to be here because if they're content with not getting as many uh, targets as they're used to based on their other systems, then something's got to tell me that their uh, belief in the locker room and what they have on the field, like they know something we don't. So mm-hmm. I believe too. I think we all believe in you And like you just said, there's a great eclectic mix of young players and veterans that is working so well on both sides of the ball and looking at the defense. And the defense played really well on Thursday night. They held the Panthers to 80 rushing yards. Out of that 80, Cam had 71. They are shutting down running backs this year. They are shutting down running games this year, which is so refreshing to see because we remember the Jim Washburn wide nine days where defenses were just just going up gaps and just shooting through lanes like it was like it was nothing. That's not happening this time around. They also sat Cam a couple of times. They got three interceptions. Uh, Jalen Mills had a pick. Uh, I forgot who else had a pick. Uh, Rasul Douglas had a pick. And who else? There was one more. I think uh, Patrick Robinson maybe had a pick, but I'm not mistaken. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. But three interceptions. They played really well once again. Obviously, penalties kind of killed them. I think he would have ten penalties for a hundred and something yards. They can't have that going forward because that will bite you. That will, that will bite you in the butt later on in the season when the games in November, December really count. But I think if anybody or everybody has to be really impressed with this defense, they're playing their style of football and dictating the team, other offenses. This is how we're going to play the game. And they have a hell of a defensive coordinator who I am like just so nervous some other team is going to snatch him up for a head coaching position. Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel the same way. Same as Like, let's be realistic. He's the best defensive coordinator we've had since Jim Johnson. Yep. So, 
And I like to see that since they have taken Michael Kendricks' billboard down, he has performed better. So stop jinxing him, Philly Media, please. <laughs> he had 15 tackles in Thursday night's game. 15? Yeah, dude, that, that game was an amazing game. That game was a really good game. Honestly, we can all say that the officiating was lopsided. There have been plenty of stories on that. It's kind of like beating a dead horse at this point. So I will do so. that. But... So, but the fact is, like, they still found a way to win. Mm-hmm. Like, there were a lot of, like, penalties that were called that were kind of like like the excessive blocking that was a little bit suspect. Uh, and I'm being generous the saying it was a little bit suspect. The one, pa- the one pass interference yeah. from Jalen Mills. Yeah, when the receiver had no chance at the ball, so it really shouldn't have been pass mm-hmm. interference. Um, but they the still found time. a way to win. <laughs> Exactly. But there were so many um, calls by the referees that were such, like, crap calls. It would have been really, really easy for the team to mentally unravel when they didn't, and they still found a way to win. So that's encouraging. Um, You know, I'm not saying all of the penalties were not valid. I think they need to play a little bit more disciplined. Um, Yeah. But I think that's that's them showing, yeah. I think that's them showing their age, though, because a lot of them are pretty young. you know, I, I hate this. Like, thankfully, somehow they still found a way to protect Wentz, too, on the offensive side of it. I just think there was really good, like, defending their quarterback and defending the offense or, the, you know, the opposing team's offense all the way around. Uh, and it was just, like, really encouraging to see, like I said, like, they stuck with it and they didn't, like, let themselves get themselves. And they just found a way to win, and that's encouraging, that kind of wherewithal and, and that grit, which is, I think, is something that, you know, Right now they're on track to make the playoffs, so if they keep up this track and they do make it in, that's the kind of attitude that's going to help them get far. They just need to play a little bit more disciplined because some of the penalties were warranted, although you know some of them were, were, were crap. No, you're right. They definitely do have to play more disciplined. And like I said, Pete Morelli, he's been a, he's been a habitual uh, line stepper when it comes to um, officiating Eagles games and how he calls games. They're really, like you said, they're really lopsided and one-sided. But like you said, you definitely have to be encouraged uh, with the way they're playing. Again, these are games last year that they would have found a way to lose. They would have found a way to lose to San Diego. They would have found a way to lose against the Giants earlier in the season. They would have found a way to to lose against Carolina this year. They flipped the script. Now they're winning the games that they need to win and need and 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 in clutch situations, this team is in phase. It seems like they're not scared. They're not, you know, panicking. They're just going through the motions. I think I, I think they found a uh, I think they found a rhythm on both offense and defense on what works to you know keep them on what works to, you know for them. I think they found a you know a mix on the running. In the running game, they found the pass, and defense is getting stronger and stronger. And the corners, again, the corners are playing so well, and and they're doing this without Ronald Darby, <laughs> which is amazing. They're doing this without Darby. So think about when you add Darby, and then apparently Sidney Jones is available to practice on Tuesday. Who knows if he's actually going to uh, play uh, this season, just because you know it'll probably be foolish for the Eagles to rush them back, but you never know. 
this secondary, I think for a lot of people, this secondary is getting stronger. When Darby says you back, uh, I want to say it's either I want to say it's either at the end of the month or the beginning of November. So right in crunch time. Okay, from what I'm seeing right now, if he can't return for week seven, he'll be back for the 49ers in week eight. Which works. We'll take that. Definitely yes, take that. Exactly. Because then I think uh, they have a bye week after that. Yeah, their bye week is week nine, isn't it? Oh, well, then if that's. <laughs> to Hold be on, honest no, with you. I'm, is it? Oh, I Don't. think. I'm not mistaken. No, because I think, isn't it the Broncos week nine? Yeah, hold on. I should know this. I have a bunch of equals on my fantasy team. <laughs> we should know this. Whoops. All right. <laughs> Sorry there, people. We trying to find we are trying we're trying to get our we're trying to get our uh, information correct. You know, no fake news over here. Week ten, week to, ten. Uh, we were off by one week. Okay. Okay, so week ten. So hey. So they have listen, week eight, San listen, Francisco, people. Three fantasy teams. On, listen, I've got like three fantasy teams. I'm sure you have at least two. Trying to keep track of everybody's numbers can get like nerving, and you get them all mixed up. They all just meld together. Trust me, yeah, I, I felt the pain. I've been jerking back and forth from you know different apps and <laughs> trying to put this and roster together and this line together and piece this line together and piece this other one together. A lot of piecing together of <laughs> my fantasy uh, uh, lineups and. Um, before we talk about uh, fantasy and uh, give our best fantasy play player of the uh, day or of the week per se, uh, we gotta we gotta ask, we gotta answer this question, Ange, because a lot of people are talking about this now. You go to five and one. The Falcons lost today to a Dolphins team that he shouldn't have lost to. You're four and two, I believe. Um, the the Packers, they pretty their their season is in jeopardy of possibly making a deep playoff run with Aaron Rodgers going down with a broken collarbone and depending on the likes of, you know, Brett Hundley, who's technically a rookie because he hasn't really started in any games this year. So a lot of people are saying that the NFC is wide open. I was listening to NBC Sports Radio this afternoon. A lot of people were hesitant to pick the Eagles. Uh, they were like, I don't know if I can pick the Eagles. I still like the Panthers and Cam because Cam has proven – they can win games in the NFC. They, they, they can win games in November, December, and then the playoffs. I'm not sold on wins through 20 games. Um, Philadelphia, you know, every, they're all happy now, but a couple weeks ago they were ready to run Doug Peterson out of town. The question I think we probably should answer here is, are the Eagles the best team in the NFC? Because right now, it sure looks like it. I don't want to put them there just because I know they still haven't played Seattle yet. Seattle's the beast that that you know, even though they're only like three and two right now, they can turn it. They can turn it on, turn it around on you quickly, and play how they and play how they know how to play. But it's always a it's always a fun question to think about. I mean, as it stands right now, they are because if you think about it, like their only loss was to the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who is, you know, one of the better teams in the NFL at the moment as well. Exactly. Um, exactly. 
I think the Carolina test was a huge test for them, and they passed the flying colors, especially when you think about how many times the refs tried to take it away from them. Uh, and, you know, they've just shown a lot of resilience to that locker room culture is there. And oh, I no think doubt. at this point, like, as we stand right now, yeah, they are the best team in the NFC. Will they continue to be the best team in the NFC as the season progresses? That remains to be seen. But as we stand right now, yeah, they are. And I think that, and I think, I think what you just said, I think is a perfect way to say it. Like, as of right now, week six going into seven, they are the best team in the NFC. But like you said, Will it continue because the schedule does get a little bit harder? They do got to play the Washington Potomac next week on Monday night, which is going to be a tough test because division, you know, division things are up. Division things are up for up for grabs uh, right there in that game. Uh, and then you have they got to play Dallas twice. Uh, they still got to play the Broncos. They still got to play the Rams. They got to play the Giants one more time. Uh, they got to. Uh, play Seattle, so there's still some tests coming up, but for them to, as their schedule has been more road heavy, they have a lot of games at home. And last season we saw how difficult, and previous season how difficult it was for them to win games at home. If they can handle the home stretch and do what they need to do, then I think the sky's the limit for this team. And no, I'm not saying you know they're gonna go to the NFC Championship game and none of that craziness. I'm just saying the sky's the limit to them possibly winning the division. And, you know, hopefully that'll help you want to bring back the veteran free agents that he signed this past season, or this past offseason that uh, didn't really sign long-term deals. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, think this division uh, really isn't one. I, I think it's... Eagles are obviously at the top of them, at the top of it, but I just don't think the NFC is anything really scary this season. Uh-uh. I think uh-uh. at this point, at five and one, if they don't win the division, then it, they pretty then it was theirs to lose. Yep, and I'm pretty sure heads will roll if if that would happen. If they collapse, I think heads will roll. Like Peterson might be on his way out. Oh, you'd hope not, but you never know. You sure do. You sure don't. You sure don't know. You never know what's going to happen in this wacky NFL. As we just saw the uh, Denver Broncos go down to the now mm-hmm. one in five, uh, the one in five New York Giants. Somehow the Broncos showed that they can shit the bed like no one else can. That's what happened. Who was that fool that There's was just so running across the field with his arms spread like he was flying? Like you're one in five, chill out. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but I got to think with the cornerback. But like you said, you're with only you're one in five now. You're nowhere near where you need to be. But like we said, someone always has to. Uh, some team always has to. Uh, some team always has to shift the bed and. Uh, the Broncos was a team to do that. Now, I guarantee they won't lose next week, and I guarantee the Giants won't win next week. But that's the NFL. There's so much parity in there. Uh, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even guess 
to you know what's to to what they expect in the uh, NFL. So let's not get all somber because I know this is not good for your uh, good for your suicide pool. Let's talk fantasy because fantasy was pretty good to a lot of people this week. Even though you might have lost, there was some pretty there were some players that have still showed up to showed up this season. Um, I'm going to start off my best or fantasy player of the week. I got to give it to the proud of Roman Catholic High School, went to Notre Dame, Will Fuller. Him and Deshaun Watson have had an immaculate uh, connection this season. Obviously, Fuller missed most of, missed all the preseason and I think part of training camp with a broken collarbone. He's just came back and been amazing. And the and the you know first three games of him coming back five touchdowns and him and Watson have been on key and it's been one of the main reasons Watson's play has been one of the main reasons why Houston could possibly be looking at another playoff berth and that's so scary because they were you know Tom Savage is the guy when they did and but then Watson proves that hey I deserve to get some playing time and get a chance to lead the team he's done nothing but great things at Will Fuller was the guy that he needed back to help open up things for that offense because he can stretch the field with his speed and get open and do amazing things. And, hey, it worked out for the Texans. It worked out probably hopefully for your fantasy team if you got Will Fuller on there because he's giving you about five touchdowns in the last few weeks, which is some good points in standard and PPR. So that is my fantasy player of the week. What about yours? Uh, I got to go with the guy that, is, because of him, the only reason I have a chance to win this week is Leonard Fournette, uh, crown jewel of the draft. Um, <laughs> he comes day. in the clutch again. Yeah, um, I'm currently up by 12. Guy I'm facing has Mariota to go tomorrow. I'm probably going to lose again, but I guess that's what I get. for. I've I, I got to tell you, I really can't get this whole – when to rotate my quarterbacks thing down. I have Jameis Winston and Carson yeah. Wentz, and it's like, I can't get it right. Like, I bench one and set the other, or I bench one and start the other, and the one that I bench, like, grossly outscores the one that I start. And it's been that way no matter, like, how I've done it. I just can't get it right. And a lot of it is my, like, blame. I'm, I've kind of made some poor management moves, but the whole quarterback mm-hmm. thing is, like, really, like, throwing me for a loop. And uh, Jameis Winston goes down and only gets me two points. And Carson Wentz is sitting on my bench with 26. I'm up by 12. I don't want to root for Mariota to get injured because you don't want to root for any player to get injured. I just hope he has a really crappy game tomorrow because I need a win. Well, you never know. This is the AFC South, so you never know what could happen. Yeah, but this division is so topsy-turvy. Yeah, but I got to give my player of the week to uh, to Fournette because, like I said, the only reason that I have a prayer to win is because of his performance today. So thank you again, Leonard. Uh, apparently, he left yeah. the, he you know left the game at the end. Uh, he did get a lot of good touches in garbage time, but they're evaluating him for injury. So hopefully, he still can play next week because oh man, I'll be totally lost without him. Yeah, tell me about it. I started Jameis Winston, too, because, you know, guess what? I was saying, you know, forget Ben Roethlisberger. Forget that dude, man. He's not giving me he, – he, he's been a disappointment. And what does Big Bang do? He gives you about 12 points. I'm just like, oh, my God, I wish I had those 12 points. 
because Jameis gets hurt in the game. So that really kind of killed me in a couple of leagues today. And then also Omar, also Terrell Pryor killed me because he didn't really score anything. And I benched Amari Cooper saying, okay, maybe, because I know he's not going to do anything, and he didn't. But no, I have I have so many number ones on my one league, number one wide receivers that haven't played well, and it's just been disappointing. So disappointing after starting out 2-0 and in one of my leagues. It's just been very that's, disgusting. That's how I feel. I started out 2-0. and I'm 2-3 and right now. Mariota gets more than 12 points. I'm 2-4. and When, again, Carson Wentz is on my bench with 24 more points than Jameis Winston, and Calvin Benjamin was on my bench with 18. Uh, and Sanders got hurt and I think only got me eight. So it's, it's another a, one of those weeks where if I lose the difference. It is. And it's so frustrating when you lose and the difference between you losing and you winning is sitting on your bench. It's so damn irritating. But that's yeah. where I am right now. If I lose, the difference in points is on my bench and I could have won. I just mismanaged the team. Yeah, and that's the tough part about fantasy. You go with your gut instinct and you're just like, damn it, gut, you felt me when I needed you the most and you just couldn't give me that necessary, those necessary points that we needed to win. But, hey, hopefully things get better in fantasy. Even if you are 2-4, and four, do not panic yet. Do not panic for anybody that's going to be in 2-4. and four. Do not panic. There's still time to make up. Yeah, it's going to be tough to be at 2-4 and four and try to make the playoffs. But you never know. You just got a string. It just Sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. And I think it's because there's so much parity in the league, like I mentioned before. And it's just so much parity in the NFL that you just – you think you go, you go in with the right matchup, but <laughs> – it just don't work. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't work. Like, who thought Adrian Peterson was going to have 100 yards rushing today? Like, that type of thing. There's so much parity you can't really pinpoint and say, this is going to be the great pick. This is going to be the pick that gives me the win because then it's the total, complete opposite. Yeah, and like you said, don't give up hope because the one year that I won my league, I started off 2-0, and and I, like, totally torpedoed into 2-7. and and I popped off five wins in a row, squeaked into the playoffs, and ended up winning that year. If you need hope, there's your story of hope. It's never over until it's over. Never over until it's over. You just got to make sure, folks, got to make sure you monitor those waiver wires. And if you got to make some trades, I think definitely work some trades. Now. you got to. If you got a player, that, a couple wide receivers or a wide receiver or two that you can spare, to maybe get something in return, do it. I mean, quarterbacks, there's not a great selection out there, but there's still some, hopefully, for me and your stage, Ange, that uh, James Winston feels better because ooh, I think we all need him to <laughs> be better because we know when he's healthy and he actually on a roll, he could put a point. It's just that he hasn't hit that roll yet and hit that stride. That's concerning. I don't know. I think I'm just going to roll with Wentz from now on, unless I, like, have a serious good feeling about Winston. Yeah, I don't blame you. I I don't blame yeah. you. I'll roll with Wentz. Go down trying with your, with your hometown quarterback until further notice. Right? Just, just roll with that. Me, I'm going to stick with Winston because I just don't trust Big Ben. I really don't. I don't. I don't trust Roethlisberger at all. 
unless I can work a trade or find something on the waiver wire that might intrigue me, I'm still not I'm not going to trust them at all. I'm not going to do it. Now I'm going to put myself in that situation. Um, but we got at least a few more minutes here on the pod, and I wanted to squeeze in some Sixers talk before we go, Ange, because guess what? Season start Wednesday, 8 o'clock p.m. on ESPN. The Eagles open up the season against the Washington Wizards. The rosters are pretty much set in stone. Sixers waived a couple players. Uh, some are going to be assigned down to Delaware. Um, roster set, but the big news that came out of today was that Brett Brown announced that rookie point guard Markel Fultz will be coming off the bench. Now, a lot of there's a, there's a, there's a mixed bag with this. Some people feel like this is a great move because he didn't play a lot in the preseason. He was dealing with shoulder injury, so it was a good way to kind of catch him up to speed and don't put a lot of pressure on him. But then there's other folks that say, Come on now. We really going to start Jared Bayless over the first overall pick? You got to be playing. You got to be tripping. We can, we, we, we can make some changes. Put Fultz in the lineup and bench Covington and put Sarge in the lineup. You got people saying that. What is your opinion? Do you think this is a good move for Fultz to be coming off the bench, or do you think it's a bad move? I think it's a good move. Let him ease into it. He's a like pretty much by age. He is a child. Do not put that much yes. pressure on him at this point, this early in his career. Let him ease mm-hmm. into it. He'll listen. We're obviously going for like that ease playoff spot. You know, we're not going for anything special this year. So no. let him get some freaking confidence going. Like let him, you know, get in some favorable situations. Do not rush him into like that heavy of a workload so soon, especially because he has some shoulder issues. And I noticed that he's been changing his uh, free throw form around a little bit. So let him do mm-hmm. that. Please do not put any unneeded pressure on that kid. You know, Jesus Christ, Philadelphia fans, fall back. Like, cease, desist, stop. <laughs> I, I agree with you. And like you said, he's only, what, 19 years old. Got to give, you got to give the kid, you know, some time to ease into it. There's already, to be honest with you, there's already too much youth on the court as it is with Embiid and Simmons. Mm-hmm. So you don't need Embiid, Simmons, and Fultz on the court. Have a stable veteran guy like Jay, Jared Bayless at the point with J, with JJ Redick and at the shooting guard. That's a nice veteran backcourt that can kind of set the offense. You need that type of stuff. And then when you look at, and I don't think people understand this, that having folks coming off the bench, your second team is going to be ridiculous. Your bench squad with McConnell as your point, maybe folks at the off ball at the two with Sarich. Uh, Amir Johnson and Okafor coming off the bench as your second starting five. Come on now. Then you mix in with Wawu and Sauskis. That's a good bench. That's a good bench with folks added to it. And I think eventually he'll take over and maybe get a couple of starts here and there. But like you said, don't rush him. You don't want to ruin this kid, you know, confidence. That's the worst thing you can do right now is ruin his confidence. I know people are going to say, well, De'Aaron Fox is probably starting in, San Francisco, in Sacramento and Lonzo's starting in L.A. Listen, what's the difference between those two teams and the Sixers? The Sixers actually have a chance to make the playoffs. Those two teams, they don't have a chance right now. You got to think of the bigger the picture Sixers here, folks. Exactly. The Sixers have been thinking bigger picture for years now. Mm-hmm. So why are we going to blow it at this point? Exactly. You can't blow it. You can't blow it at this point. And 
again, let the kid grow into it because he's going to have his moments where he looks not like a rookie and he's going to have moments where he does look like a rookie. You just don't want those moments where he looks like a rookie happen multiple times. And starring him and rushing his maturation process will not help him, you know, going forward. So we'll see him coming off the bench. And I think some who mentioned it, uh, I think Kurt mentioned it on Twitter, you know, saying that it's good for folks to come off the bench because of the of the certain of the point guards the Sixers are going to see this opening week. Do we really want to put folks against John Wall in his first game and then the home opener against Kyrie Irving? I don't want to do that no. to him. I I don't need that kid's psyche to get, you know, in confidence to get destroyed like that. Not saying that it will, not saying that we're saying he's weak minded, but I don't want to put him in a position to fail. And in, in, in the possibility for him to get exposed. So we'll see what happens with Foles. I think he will get his moment to, you know, start here and there. And we'll see how it goes. Just got to take it piece by piece uh, with the Sixers. Um, One more thing. Uh, preseason, I know there's a lot of – preseason was kind of quiet for the Sixers. They started to play better once and B got in. The last two games looked supremely better when he played. But uh, before we get to your final thought, Ange, any uh, preseason impressions you took away from the Sixers as they uh, start the season in a couple of days? They can be a high-scoring team, and even with Embiid on the court, mm-hmm. which just speaks volume of how dangerous they can actually be on offense. So if I yes. were uh, in in their conference, I'd be a little bit wary of them. I would not take them lightly at all. There are a bunch of young, hungry kids that are going to go out there and run after it. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, uh, 100%. They, they they showed, especially in that game against Brooklyn and uh, and against the Heat, they showed they can break a game wide open with uh, with a lot of points. And I think my overall impression was that is that we see how much better this team is when you have a healthy Embiid and just how much he makes a difference. And I remember when we talked about, I think it was months ago, when we were talking about generational talents and we did a whole podcast about that. If Embiid stays healthy, I think he has the possibility to be a generational talent because the things he does, the things he does on that he does on the court are uncanny. They're unnatural, and you know it's you know it's it's just it's just amazing to see how good this team is with him. And then you add you know JJ Redick and you know Jared Bayless and everything else. It's just. The sky, like I mentioned about the Eagles, the Sixers are the same way. The sky is the limit. (laughs) And if they play their cards Mm -hmm. right and everybody stays healthy and they do their job and do it well, then they're going to go. Who who knows? Like I said, they'll be the AC this year, but who knows? Next year they can be the fifth seed. And then the year after that, they win the division. And then the year after that, they're competing for, you know, a conference championship. As long as you're seeing improvement each year and each game and each month, then you got to take it and accept it. you got to take it and accept it. And that's the thing. You want to see upward trajectory, so uh, that would make me happy, as I'm sure multiple other people as well. Hey, it would make me happy. Just to have playoff basketball back in the city, shoot, I don't even care if it's the AC against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't care. But I'm pretty sure if it's against the Cavs, the Sixers will at least still one game from them. They'll still one, and I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take it. 
Exactly. I will take the one game. But, like I said, Sixers open up the season Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on ESPN to take on John Wall and Washington Withers. And two days later, at the home opener, they will be taking on Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, and the Boston Celtics, which should be a great game as well as the Sixers get underway and looking to prove the NBA right or wrong and showing them that, hey, tanking does work and we have the pieces to back it up. But um, we already know what time it is. We're towards the end of the podcast, and you already know we do the final thought. Pretty much this is now the time where we give Angela the floor to break down anything that's going on in her mind from the world of sports to the world of entertainment to just anything that has caught her attention over this week. Sometimes it's a little, you know, uh, sometimes it's a little, you know, get you in the feelings a little bit, and then sometimes it's just lighthearted stuff. So with that being said, I'm going to let Angela take it away for her final thoughts. Well, thank you. So it is October 15th, and we are two weeks away from Halloween, uh, and it is my favorite holiday. I absolutely love Halloween. So if you still have not gotten your costume yet, really don't start stressing out because you do still have plenty of time. And you might think that you're doomed to getting one at Party City that either comes in a box or a bag. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> no pre-purchased, uh, pre-built costume wins you any money in costume contests, honey. Thrift stores are your friend. So if you haven't gotten anything yet, I'm here to give you some last-minute costume ideas. For the men, obviously, Bob Ross is a good option, Uh, the famous painter that used to have his show on PBS where if he made uh, a mistake, he would say, oh, let's turn it into a cloud. It's a happy accident. There are no accidents in life. Very, very easy, guys. Uh, Pair of jeans, which you all should already own. Go to a thrift store. Buy yourself a denim shirt, which you can get for about $2 because nobody wants those things. They're hideous in real life. Grab a piece of cardboard. Make yourself a painter's palette. I would not recommend putting actual paint on it because if you bump into somebody while you're out trying to win yourself some money, that could really have some bad news written all over it. I would get some, like, puffy glitter glue, fashion it into, like, the shape of a dollop of paint, wait for it to dry, and then hit it with some Mod Podge or some straight-up spray sealant. Ladies, last-minute contest or contest costume for you would be Carmen San Diego. Again, thrift store, your friend. Last year, I went out in drag and I was Prince. And when I was looking for my purple coat, there were like aisles upon aisles of purple raincoats. To where I found the one that was just the right hue, you will be able to find a maroon one, maroon trench coat, big maroon hat. Get yourself a piece of yellow ribbon, tie it around the hat, get a yellow feather, put it in, yellow scarf, boom, there you go, you're Carmen San Diego. Get yourself an inflatable globe, which you can definitely get at five below. Where in the world are you? Peking, China, or Madrid? Who knows? But it's always nice when your costume comes with thread of V-I-L-E henchmen behind you. And if you're looking for a really simple couple's idea, Lana Kane and Archer. Men, all you need is a gray suit, white shirt, black tie, tie tack again, which, you know, hopefully you already own if you're an adult. And ladies, turtleneck, long sleeve sweater dress, which you could probably get at a thrift store for about 6 $7. And then go to Party City and get yourself a toy gun. Throw a belt on it and boom, there you go. Mm, very impressive. Very impressive. 
some uh, giving us some giving us some Halloween costume gems via the first store. You know, you be popping some tags. I've been the first store. It's the most wonderful <laughs> holiday of the year. Think about it. It's the only holiday of the year where you get to dress up as somebody else and go out and have fun. I personally like and Christmas, it's also, but I have my but I have my reasons. Uh, yeah, but Halloween's just, I love Halloween. Halloween comes with a costume contest, too. So there's a potential to go out uh, to your local watering holes and win some win some money, whether it be gift cards or actual cold hard cash. But if you are going to a bar for a Halloween costume contest, please either designate a driver or get an Uber or a Lyft home. It really isn't worth it to take the chance. Mm-hmm. None exactly. of that sums up my final thought. I had to, like, go happy and lighthearted tonight. So, again, men, easy costume, Bob Ross. Ladies, easy costume, Carmen San Diego. Couples, really easy costume, Lana Kane and Archer. There you go. Okay. Sounds good to me. So, there you go. There's you. There's a complete podcast of Eagles talk, fantasy football, advice, sort of, uh, Sixers talk, and Halloween talk. You can't get that nowhere else uh, but the total sports live podcast but hey that's going to wrap this one up for you for us we appreciate everybody once again for tuning in uh make sure you check us out on blogtalkradio.com backslash total sports live also uh listen to us on the tune in radio app and on itunes if you got the podcast app on your phone just go there or if you got itunes on your computer just search us on there and hit that hit that subscribe button like i said in the beginning we appreciate it and also um Check out totalsportslove.com. Got a lot of great content on there. Uh, just posted recently, or today of this podcast, uh, we had Matt with his week, weekly recap of the of whatever happened with the Eagles this past week. And also, uh, Caitlin Hemsley gave us a breakdown of the Flyers' 8-2 beatdown of the Washington Capitals on a Saturday night. So we got that all on the website and more stuff coming this week. Uh, Total Sports Live on Twitter at Total Sports Live. Follow Andrew on Twitter at Andrew Montone and then follow me as well at Chopin 10. So for me and Ange, everyone have a good one and we will talk to you guys next Sunday to probably talk some Sixers in a preview to Eagles matchup on Monday night against the Washington professional football team. So everyone have a great one and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone.